Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 11th of March 2011. For newcomers to the show, look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website and bookmark the other sites you see listed there. These are the only official sites I have. If you see sites elsewhere on the net anywhere, there's quite a few actually uh, with my name on it, they're not mine. So these are the official sites. Remember, you can bookmark these sites for future use because sometimes a lot of folk go into the com site at the same time for downloads after this broadcast and uh, they find it's maybe some sticking because there's so many going in. So try these alternate ones if you have that problem. And remember, they all carry audios, hundreds of audios for for downloads, and they all carry transcripts in English for prints up of a lot of the talks I've given. And if you want transcripts in other languages, go into alanwattsentinel.eu. You'll find that on the com site as well, the link to it. And uh, take out your choice from the, the, the bunch offered there. And remember, too, you're the audience who bring me to you because... I don't bring on the advertisers as guests, and that's generally how hosts make their show, make their money, I should say, and uh, uh, that's okay. But um, as I say, sometimes it tends to compromise you with various products and so on, and you become kind of commercialized. Uh, this way, it's it's um, it's easier for me in a sense, except for financial reasons, of course, it's not easy at all. But uh, I depend upon you, the listeners, therefore, to help pay for uh, to keep me going here. The ads you hear on this show are paid to RBN, Republic Broadcasting Network, uh, to pay for the broadcast, the, the airtime, and their staff and equipment and their bills. So you can help me out with mine by buying the books and the discs I have for sale at CuttingThroughMatrix.com. And uh, hopefully that will help me tick over a little while longer. Because things, as you know, we're all going through this new uh, post-bank crash, post-bailout uh, planned recession of it and into austerity, of course, with inflation uh, just skyrocketing. And new taxes all the time, especially in Canada. Our value-added tax is called GST, which is now joined. This, they call it harmonized with the PST, the provincial sales tax. And they've just uh, put it up for its second increase in the last three, four months. So it'll continue to rise to match Europe eventually. We're paying about 27% on everything. That's what's coming. And um, anyway, you can buy the books and discs and so on, as I say, at cuttingthroughthemedics.com to keep me going. From the U.S. to Canada, you can use a personal check. You can also use an international postal money order. You can use cash, send cash. And you can use PayPal. You'll find the button on the com site, and all the sites are listed there. And you can uh, follow it up by an email with your name, address, and order. And I'll get it out to you. And remember, too, that straight donations are definitely appreciated because they trickle in. There's not nearly enough. And um, uh, everyone else leaves it to someone else to do it. And that's how this, this the whole thing works, unfortunately. I've watched so many hosts go down in the past trying it this way. None of them succeeded. But, of course, I'm a bit crazy. I'm from Scotland, so that's just something that I try to do. Scotland is the champion for lost causes. So what we'll talk about here on this um, 
educational talk, I like to call it rather than a show or a program, because I don't want to program you, and uh, it's not a show. A show is something to do with entertainment. It's to show you the, the basically the, the, the system in which you live and how it's designed and how literally you've been trained to discuss serif in the Middle Ages to believe that everything was quite normal and your education system is part of it, your parents are part of it, they pass on their own indoctrination to you, their own understanding of the reality that was given to them, and then education takes over, and then, of course, the media keeps you entertained for the rest of your life and programs you at the same time. So I try to burst that bubble and show you the true reality. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Tonight I'll put up a link to a video, it's another John Pilger video, and it's called Breaking the Silence, Truth and Lies in the War on Terror. And he goes into uh, what really is going on in Afghanistan and so on after 9-11. And he talks about the pipelines, of course, the U.S. pipelines across there, etc., and the building of bases. And, of course, all the catastrophe. But he also goes into the New American Century group that were in charge then with Bush and the cohorts who talked about preemptive strikes back in the 1990s. And this is all part of their plan for basically empire building. And as, but he doesn't mention, of course, because it was an earlier documentary, that uh, Rumsfeld's congratulated Obama recently on the fact that he's continuing the same war, actually expanding it. So it's just the same old, same old thing because there are no independent separate parties. That's to keep everyone voting and to keep us all at each other's throats uh, and hoping and hoping for the best for what you side, whatever side you think you belong to. Uh, Because that's how the world is run. It's all propaganda, public relations. There's only one dominant minority, and there's always been one dominant minority. You find people like Carol Quigley talk about them, uh, the Huxleys talk about them, both Huxleys, and... um, Russell, etc., they all mentioned the dominant minority. These are the ones who create the first governments, generally by force, a uh, force of arms and slaughter, and take over. And over time, uh, they, they bring in their own, even, even in older times, their own form of public relations, uh, where the trained generations, this is all quite normal, and you pay taxes to the, to the, the guys who collect money. And they make all the laws, and it's all quite natural. After a few generations, it appears to anyone that it's all quite normal. It doesn't dawn on them uh, that it's really a very powerful, wealthy group who run not just their country, but now it's the whole, the whole planet. They're out to get the resources of the world, as I say, back in the days of Cecil Rhodes and before he came along, in fact. And today, this, this big conglomerate, this world conglomerate, are simply gathering up all the resources, including the water that's under Iran. No one talks about the water that one of the biggest worlds, the world's biggest aqueducts is under Iran. And believe me, everybody uh, around there, that region, wants that that water because water is a a resource, a very expensive resource in those areas. And they'll be using that once they take over. They, They want to take over Iran, obviously. And... What I'll mention tonight, too, is I've mentioned this before when I went through 
the, the military, uh, the, the, U, the U.S. and the British military's think tanks projections for the next 30 to 50 years. They were both identical, actually, and they're in my archive section at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And they mentioned about eventually the world order would come to pass, there would be a form of world government for a while, but not forever, even. And eventually you would have some major city-states that would run uh, each, each the parts of the regions or regions of the world they happen to live in, major city-states, well-armed, high-tech, and I, I presume there'd be barbarians around them the way they wanted to go. And if you look at what's happening, for instance, in Britain and other countries of Europe now that they're under this new Soviet, uh, which again, remember the Soviet was for world communism, and Lenin himself said that, said that the dictatorship wouldn't last forever. Eventually communism would blend with capitalism and a, a middle way would be found. They call it the middle way. And that is a, a form of socialism that runs the greater masses of the people for the fascists at the top. The same dominant minority. And socialism is far better to work to people because it, it creates such a massive bureaucracy and government agencies, uh, apparatus over the public that their lives are run by them eventually. And then you become dependent upon them as they take away all your work to other countries and so on. And you are more and more dependent on your own governments. The very people who abuse you, you turn to, to for, for help. And that's standard with all abuse systems. But as I say, getting back to this idea of uh, communitarianism, it was first mentioned by Bush Sr. Communitarianism is a form of, of again, this Soviet-style uh, socialized uh, system where you live in your own area down the road. You're supposed to be self-sufficient as much as possible down the road, and you'll all be delegated to your work. The division of labor is all part of this, and they're doing it already in England as a decentralized authority. They're also sending, selling off chunks of the country. And that will happen across the whole of Europe. And eventually, once the job's done in the Middle East, in the U.S. and Canada as well, and probably Australia and elsewhere. And it's going to go further than that. So I'll read a little bit of this article here uh, that, that it doesn't mention. Uh, it tells you part, like all articles, it tell you a partial truth, but they don't tell you the rest of the story. That's intentional. The mayor of London, and meanwhile, it says, led a party of three delegates from the Greater London Authority, um, over to a meeting. It says, nice work if you can get it. Local budgets are cut, and Boris Johnson and a hundred councillors head off to the Riviera. Now, they're slashing everything in the UK, including what's left, the National Health Service. And it said, um, it says, the Mayor of London leads a party to, Can- to Cannes Conference costing £1,300 per person. And Manchester City is to spend £60,000 to send 13 officials as it cuts £26 million to libraries and swimming pools and a lot more too. Then the Newham uh, sends 13 as it cuts £100 million from its budget. And it says um, Manchester Council is paying about £60,000 to send at least 13 officials to the MIPIP, or MIPIM event. It's called M-I-P-I-M event in Cairns, which is billed as one of the properties, uh, property industry's biggest trade shows. So it's really for massive real estate. I'm talking about massive real estate, because this, uh, this MIM, or what you call it, MIPIM, is across the whole world, including Asia, and they sell off chunks uh, of countries, sometimes whole countries. This is literally the big boys taking over completely. 
uh, on behalf of the big bankers, of course, who end up owning the show. So uh, here you are in austerity, and these guys are off to one of these this, the very expensive shows. So around 70 people from local councils and municipal bodies will attend the conference, plus about 40 from urban regeneration agencies. But with local authorities implementing millions of pounds worth of cuts, news of the trip will anger many. It has emerged Manchester Council has laid on a, a free private bar for delegates and set up several themed areas just weeks after it announced that libraries and swimming pools will be closed and garbage collections are cut in a money-saving effort. The Mayor of London, meanwhile, led a party of three delegates from the Greater London Authority, as they call uh, that area there. But that's only part of the story, and they, get, they spend a lot more than just that. They get a lot more expenses on top of what they're telling you here. But that's not the thing. Here's the thing here, because here's a speech that uh, Mr. Uh, that Boris gave. It says, um, the world's biggest big cities are, are already uh, bursting at the seams. Now, this is Agenda 21, for those who don't know what he's talking about here. He won't mention it. He won't mention the Millennium Project or communitarianism. The world's big cities are already bursting at the seams, but are set to grow even larger, with experts predicting that some 70% of the world's population will be urban by 2050. Actually, it's more than that, according to the UN. This will put great strains on infrastructure and environment and presents a major challenge to city planners, developers, and mayors who gather here this week at MIPIM, the world's leading annual real estate event, to look for the best way forward. The future of the world lies in cities, London's Mayor Boris Johnson told the packed auditorium at the opening day of MIPIM Monday. Now, I've told you that that is the agenda to get all off the rural areas under Agenda 21. And the only farms in the world will be left will be the big international uh, corporational farms that they have by the big five agribusinesses. He was among leaders taking part in a mayor's think tank here who say they are increasingly starting to work together and looking for urban development initiatives to improve the quality of life for their citizens. What liars? What liars? Because I'll tell you what's going to happen down the road, you see. Once you have uh, communitarianism in the big cities and so on, and you, or your region within the city, because you all have zones, uh, they're going to sell these cities off. They're, they're all, they've already basically taken away any country called a nation, a sovereign nation, under this big new Sovietized economic union with its own super parliament. And they will, down the roads, sell off the cities. As I t- said before, uh, the military's report said in about 2050, maybe before, after world government, uh, they will, there will be a few major mega cities that are high tech and so on across the world that mention nations at all, post-national, basically. Anyway, it says we have to keep uh, putting the village back into the city. We have to keep putting the village back into the city, he says, right? Because that is fundamentally what human beings want. Well, no, it's not. They never did want in the first place, even when they brought in the corn laws and taxed all the little farmers out of existence and dumped foreign grain on them to get them into the, into the places like Manchester and Birmingham to work the factories for the big capitalist boys. And it says, uh, so he's telling a lie here. This is what folk want. Isn't it amazing? One of the definitions you see, the scientific definition of government, is really legislature, uh, which, which, um, uh, legislates the will of the people. Have you, have you ever, ever known of anyone who's been consulted on any plans that are ever made and any laws that are passed? Never. Doesn't happen because you see it's all a con. Doesn't exist, never did exist. 
the dominant minority exist. You find it when they all turn around and bail out bankers and casino gamblers, basically, on the stock market who didn't lose a darn thing for your money, using your money that they've borrowed from the same big bankers at the top, international money lenders, and put your next ten generations down of children to pay it off, which will never happen. You can't pay it off. <laughs> so, yeah, it's the will of the people, all these laws. So we have to keep putting the, the village back into the city because that's fundamentally what human beings want and aspire to, he says. What a liar. Cities and, are where people live longer, really, have better education, really. Outcomes are more productive. In what sense? They can't even grow a carrot. Johnson noted, adding that cities are also where people emit less polluting carbon dioxide per capita. What a bullshitter. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Talking about the bulls hitters, just for anybody, in case anybody wants to complain, which no doubt some loony out there will, even though they're watching it all the time on all the movies from Hollywood. Anyway, it says here, um, in 1900, around 14% of the world's population lived in cities. Then they had, of course, the Great Depression, and they got them in, in, in North America that way into the cities too. By 1950, this had risen to 30%, and that's because they brought them in during the war to work the factories for all the war machinery. And today is 50%. Currently, there are more than 400 cities with a population over a million, 19 of which have over 10 million inhabitants. Robert Pito, president of the Royal Institution of Chartered Surveyors, told the conference here. Much of this surge in the next 40 years will occur in cities in emerging countries such as China, India, Asia, Latin America and Africa, all of which are growing very fast. Tony Lloyd-Jones, reader in International Planning and Sustainable Development, that's another term for Agenda 21 and so on and so on, at the University of Westminster in London told the AFP. A recent study by Citigroup published in Britain Daily Telegraph newspaper forecasts that megacities expected to have the fastest growing economies by the middle of the next decade, including London, Chicago, Tokyo, New York, Los Angeles, Hong Kong, Sao Paulo, Mexico City, Shanghai, Buenos Aires, Mumbai and Moscow. So the whole future is already planned out and you're just being played along with it all because if you go to the United Nations and look at the Sustainable Development, the Millennium Project, Agenda 21, or Agenda for the 21st Century, that's what it is. And it's your whole future and your children's future is already decided for them in more ways than just that. We're already at school to work using the Soviet style of tuition and so on and government. So that's really what we're living through is a big... And plus, as I said yesterday, we were talking about rewilding, the rewilding project where they're bringing in panthers and mountain lions and wolves and all the rest of it into places where they were long gone because people live there. And uh, they're already wilding the place in, in preparation for all you lot getting shoved into the big cities. Where, uh, to be honest with you, I'd rather go off to another planet than live in a, a, a big city. To me, it's just madness. Unless you're 18 and uh, your hormones are jumping, you see, and you're absolutely dumb, stupid, um, then you, you don't really want to go and live in a city. 
you really don't want to go and live in a city, not in this day and age, believe you me, because you can't get away from the indoctrination, even all, and all the ads that are flashing everywhere as you walk down the streets, as you're totally degraded in society with it. Now, there's Zachary from New, Z- New England hanging on. I'll talk to Zachary if he's there. Hello? Is Zachary there? Hello? Yeah. Hello, yes. Yeah, it didn't uh, click on until after there. Uh, well, since you were just talking about the rewilding, uh, a thought occurred about uh, the big tsunami, the earthquake today. Yeah. I can see how they'll use that as part of their agenda, too, to uh, move people away from the coast. You know, they will. They're also playing up the, the one nuclear reactor that they say is damaged, and uh, they, they might do a big play on that to to do with nuclear reactors as well. So who knows? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, the real reason why I called in is a disturbing topic that you brought up uh, a week ago. Then again, uh, the day before yesterday, I think it was when you approached necrophilia. Yeah. And it it seemed almost incomprehensible. I've been listening to your show for a while, and, and I understand how far people have been degraded, but I was hoping that that was more of an esoteric uh, viewpoint that you were making. And then just randomly, uh, I think it was the same day you mentioned it, I listened to the show afterwards uh, from the you know your, your post and your website. But anyway, I was at a bar with some... You know, random people I just happened to be invited out with uh, for a trivia night. But anyway, this one woman that, that I was uh, with at the table was discussing with her friends. Uh, I caught the tail end of the conversation uh, about how she saw, I, I assume it was on TV, about uh, how they could put this electronic device or something in this dead body and actually give the corpse an orgasm. And... Mm-hmm. It was bizarre that she would be talking about that. You know, this, I don't know, it just, it matched what you were saying there, and it's like, yeah. I, I don't know, it's, I guess. But you can understand that science, especially neuroscience, is, the, the purpose of neuroscience isn't just to understand how the, the brain works, it's also for total control of humanity. That's the purpose behind neuroscience, is coupled now with behaviorism. Uh, psycholinguistics and neurolinguistics all come together now, but it's all heavily funded by Pentagon and so on, and for for total control of the human mind. But the, the, what the scientists—I always get a, a chuckle when you when they give out their their talks from the universities. They always come out, and the first thing they grab is a brain, a human, a real human brain, and it, I immediately see them naked uh, with a bone through their nose, like a witch doctor in Africa, or, or you know. That's, that's how I pictured them, because that's what impressed the, the, the people down below, you see. And it's supposed to shock you the same way. This guy's so used to just handling this squashy, uh, spongy-looking thing there, dripping with uh, viscous fluid. And uh, it's the same impact that they're using upon you, because all they do is, is, is get cut out brains and chop them up. And, and that is necrophilia, you understand. Someone who spends their life in chopping up dead things is a necrophiliac, you see. And uh, uh, the, the thing is, they're trying to prove, too, that that's all you are as a person. You're just a bunch of neurons firing off, and everything that happens in your life happens to rattle around inside your brain. There's nothing outside of you at all. But hold on, and we'll come back to this topic when you get back from the break.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix, talking to Zach from New England about necrophilia. And it isn't just to do with the, the guys who love to chop things up. These are scientists, as they like to think of themselves, uh, who are determined to give the new theories on what makes you tick, because science is to be raised up to the to be the new god. That is the, the the rule of it all, and you must accept it as such. That you must accept that's all you are is this lump of of jelly in the in the head. And everything you think, feel, and experience all happens within that uh, that thing they call the skull. And um, that, that's all that you are, is to dehumanize you too. And these guys, I think, eventually begin to despise humanity the more they work on, on their, 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 their strange, um, the, the strange, if you call it work at all. But anyway, the... Um, the whole thing's to do with control, as I say. And it's no coincidence, too, that Lady Gaga comes out and she's got the, she's got the corpses, made a deal to do the, the, the TV show with those corpses that are plasticized from China uh, and, and uh, hanging in all weird positions, etc., and pretending she's making love to them. This is the pure necrophilia, and it's right in exactly with you, Adorno said. Adorno said we shall bring the state of America and the West down to a state of necrophilia. Then we shall rebuild it once we've destroyed all that was. We're, see, we're going through it today, and this is a, an organized movement, of course, and it's pushed primarily through academia and through the scientists, the ones that are raised up to be the leaders. You don't become a, a top professor by your own hard work, believe you me. Uh, everything else in, in this world is the same way, too. You don't just become president because you, people happen to vote for you. There's a lot more to it than that. Um, you're picked and selected and groomed. Uh, because you know who your masters already are. And, of course, even professors live on the grants, and most of the people who, who push out this stuff to do with the brain and neuroscience are, have all had contracts with the Pentagon, even the ones in Canada, by the way. And there's one living not too far from me. Yeah, you bring that up. Uh, there was a video that you posted on your site a couple of weeks ago about uh, behaviorism and social engineering in the 21st century. Yeah. And uh, I was reading a book for a class that I had that went into depth about behaviorism. And uh, one of the, the guys there that worked, uh, doctor, I guess I should say, at uh, McGill University at the Allen Memorial Institute where they did all those experiments on mm-hmm. people. Uh, any, anyway, one of the books that this guy wrote, The Organization of Behavior, Dr. Donald Hebb, they, yeah, uh, that's right. When uh, some people were commenting, they said that that was right up there with Darwin's origin of species is, you know, yeah. of the utmost importance. And, yeah, uh, Dr. Hebb, in fact, uh, he's the one who, who used the forms of sensory deprivation. When you see those people who are accused of being terrorists being rounded up in market squares to get for numbers, that's all that they are, just get a bunch in and interrogate them. They put hoods over their heads and put the gloves on them so they have no uh, tactile feelings around them and they're cut off. And, that's, and then they made to crouch and so on. It was Dr. Hebb who came up with that whole agenda along many years ago. Yeah. And it was uh, funded by the CIA, too, when you're talking that's about right. integration by the Americas. Uh, according to the book that I read, between 1957 and 1963, I yes. took notes here, it said that the CIA funneled $20,000 to that institute. And it mm-hmm. it's all goes along with the integration of what you were saying. Yep. But... Uh, 
there's another doctor that I thought was kind of amusing too. Uh, this Henry Beecher, uh, American, but he had ties there to Montreal, yeah. and uh, apparently he was uh, really outspoken against the Nuremberg Code for secret research. Mm-hmm. And like said that it was really hampering their uh, ability to really understand human nature by, yeah. uh, you know, having these set rule, uh, rules and human rights. You know what That's they right. couldn't do. And then he yeah. turned around like ten years later and and took a complete opposite stance. Mm-hmm. And and now he's like given this prestigious award annually in his name uh, at the. It's a Henry K. Beecher Prize in Medical Ethics at Harvard Medical School. That's right, bioethics, you know. Yeah, Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, they took somebody who did all this work, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. and and now he's a hero. But, well, who better than a guy you can count on as a true eugenicist and make him appear to be the one who champions the the poor downtrodden. You know, it's, it's, it's the perfect method. It was the same, as I say, with Dr. Salk, who uh, was what, the top guy, top writer for the American and British Eugenic Society. You'll see his writing still up there yet on depopulation by any means possible, who gave you the polio vaccine to give us all the cancers. I mean, who better to bring forth as a savior but a true believer in his cause, you know, under a new guise. And I put a link up too last night or the night before, I think it was last night, on something similar. It's to do with the testing the U.S. military were doing on, on people, prisoners and so on. And uh, you'll you hear another professor there talking. He says, it was such e- it's so, so much easier in the good old days, he said, when we could get all this done in secret and no one knew what we were doing when they were infecting folk with syphilis and so on. It was just so much easier, he says, in the good old days. These are the psychopaths they hire, yeah. Since you brought it up, I, I know uh, I have no way to prove this, but, uh, you know, I, I joined the Guard uh, to be uh, in one of the brass bands that you talk about all the time. I'm in the Army Guard band, and when you go through, you know, you have to go through all the inoculations and everything, a whole big yeah. barrage of them. And uh, when, I, when I got those shots, I got really, really sick, and mm-hmm. and like almost hallucinating, and yeah. uh, I didn't go to their little facility because I wanted to ship out with the rest of us when we moved from our reception to basic training. Mm-hmm. But my nose just peeled right away, and the bottom of my lip, and like the drill sergeant was yelling, asking me if I'd gotten into a fight, but I hadn't. Yeah. And I've since had like issues where I get really sick, my nose starts to peel away again, and it it's never happened. Mm-hmm. Before I went to basic, and it makes me wonder, geez, could I have been given something there? And, mm-hmm. and I have no way of knowing, but I've never had that response until I went to basic. Well, you, you, you def- see, all these inoculations and so on, what they do to you, it's, just, it's so simple, too. It's, it's like any detective story. You're fine before it, and, and you're not fine afterwards. It, it, it goes for your immune system. It works on your immune system. And what you end up getting are autoimmune problems and uh, has damaged your immune system, in other words. And what happens then is your immune system sees enemies everywhere. Sometimes it'll, it'll attack the epithelial tissue in your guts. That's a favorite place. You'll get it in your lips, too, by the way. 
or inside your mouth and different places where it's soft tissue and epithelial tissue especially. So they know exactly, they, they know all this. And uh, you see, you are a casualty, but you're an acceptable casualty uh, because what they do is just like mass weaponry. Um, it gets most of the people and, and, and you know, and there's a few unfortunates that are left behind. It's the same thing when they put a nuclear reactor near you or into a city. They already have a worked out death, uh, acceptable death rate for that particular reactor. And I've talked to uh, to um, engineers at some of the reactors in, in Canada here, and they've told me the same thing over and over. So it's the same with vaccines. If it works for most folk, or at least not works for them, it doesn't kill them immediately, and, and there's very few uh, side effects. Uh, it's just too bad about the poor unfortunates. That's an acceptable level. Yeah. Yeah, they, they never tell you about the risk before you go in. I hadn't heard until after listening to your show and others about that, and you just, you know... Mm-hmm. It's the last thing on your mind, really. Yes, it, it, it definitely. That's why they always go for the young too. Uh, in the military, the military is a great testing base for for young people because when you join the military, you're now a private. You're privately owned. If you don't understand that, your government is a corporation. It's signed into law as a corporation, and you become a private soldier. You're owned privately. You're not a member of the public anymore. And your job is to is to be used as a weapon for your country or be used with weapons on you for your country. Or in other words, die for your country. It doesn't matter if you're killed by an enemy or you're of use to them to test on, uh, to kill other enemies, then you, you, you die regardless. So um, this, is, this has been going on for an awful long time. We've already had lots of data come out on this in Canada, but it's only going up till about 1960 or so. It's, the rest is still declassified. And, and it's the same in the States, too. We know the horrible things have done to their own troops. Same in Britain, by the way. And in the general public, too, get tested. I've, I've, gone, I've put so many links up in the archive section at cuttingthroughthematrix.com to do with the spraying across England. And, and one a few weeks back, they're excellent video to watch how a, a massive campaign that lasted a few years was done over populations off the east coast of England. And then, of course, the, the authorities monitored their, their declining health and kept it all quiet. So uh, we, are just, we are disposable at the bottom level. You understand that? I knew that very early on in life. We're, we're disposable, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Well, thanks for all, uh, all you put out and to the public, and you've helped uh, bring me to a higher understanding that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to achieve had it not been for all your talks and... Uh, I encourage anybody listening to uh, purchase your books too, as well, because they're uh, they're a, a blessing too. You can really see a a bigger picture, and uh, it'll help you think in a different way for sure. It's helped me. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for calling. Yeah, have a good weekend. And you too. Take care. All right. And then we've got Jane in Canada. Are you there, Jane? Uh, hello, hello, Jane. We were talking about. Um necrophilia and um, it made me think of a TV show um, like one of the reasons I don't watch TV at all anymore um, I happened to watch an episode of Nip and Tuck mm-hmm. and uh, there was a man who had a furniture um, fetish like he fell in love with furniture Yeah. And <laughs> or he had uh, I don't know he had sex with furniture like it actually um I don't know. It actually portrayed him like having. <laughs> sorry, it's not really funny, but having sex like with a. He was applying for a job at at the um, 
surgery thing, and mm-hmm. uh, he liked the, uh, I don't know, the operating table or something. And But it's just so um, mm-hmm. thick, you know, but... Well, it's done for to completely degrade society uh, completely and to and dehumanize society. Again, that is the Frankfurt policy, a total degradation of the human being until you have no respect for others, and then you have no respect for yourself. And when that happens, you're conquered because then governments can do with you as they wish. And you'll say, well, I guess I've got the right to. I'm nothing anyway. And it's a very simple technique. Yeah. His mother, like the, the character's mother was a... Um, an interior designer or interior decorator or something. I, I, it's ridiculous, but anyway. Mm-hmm. Um. But as I say, there's, there's necrophilia. I'm looking at the amount of movies I've churned out over the many, many years, and you always get hints of that in a lot of horror movies. It's sex with the dead and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like I always avoided that stuff, but you know, and I could—I just couldn't believe that they were making movies like that. But yeah. Oh, a lot. There's lots and lots, and there's nothing. You understand that they'll admit once in a while when people find out how much the military or the Pentagon has paid to Hollywood to put out certain movies. All the war movies, for instance, with the bad, real bad Arabs, like that video link I put up, real bad Arabs to really make you hate the Arab cultures, and it's paid for by the Pentagon generally. And uh, it's, it's, it's the same thing with um, with um, uh, a lot of the stuff for degradation that you're seeing too. It's a war on the, the public's mind. Uh, as I say, of dehumanization. It's a dehumanization process. And every generation since about the 50s has had their dose of it, getting worse and worse. And that's why you let your children watch stuff that, that you might not have watched so much when you were young, but it's, it's still familiar to you in its degradation, so you let them watch it. And every, we're getting brought down to a state where we're worth nothing. We, we will believe eventually that we are worth nothing and that we're, we're just another, um, again, brain, uh, another animal. It's a brain. Nothing happens outside you. Uh, all that you are is that little bit of, uh, between your ears and there's no more to you than that. That's what they want you to believe. And because of that, they want you to think that you're nothing special at all and that you have no rights. And that will be when you love Big Brother. And um, that is a system. Like, sort of go off on a different topic? Um, you know, when you mentioned Arabs? Yeah. Um, you know how you'll hear sometimes people, like, fearful that Sharia law is going to be brought to North America. Mm-hmm. And then I hear other people saying that's ridiculous. They're not talking about bringing it to North America. They're talking about something else. Do you know anything about that, like I, I wouldn't even bother with it because, you see, there's so much propaganda being put out right now, deliberately uh, by your government agencies. Um, I don't even like to call them your government agencies. They're actually a supra-government now uh, bringing you through a new system or into a new system. The reason that they brought in so many Muslims was in preparation for 2001. They're all set up with their families. They would be the new target and now they give you a fear amongst yourselves. You couldn't bring out a war on terror where everyone must give up their rights unless you bring in people that you're going to blame for it. And that was the whole idea. People who are Muslims now are terrified of the paranoia that's been built up within their own countries by the, the media and by their own governments. It's all propaganda. Yeah. So there's, I mean, like, it's, I don't mean that I, I don't have a problem, like, with Muslims. All the... People I've met from the Middle East, like all the 
I don't know, Muslim people that I've personally met have been very, very nice. I, I don't have a problem with it, but I, I just didn't understand why some people were saying it's an issue. It's because the media has been bringing little blurbs out here and there for them to swallow and to, to get them angry about the Muslim culture. You understand, too, that we're in the process of demolishing Muslim culture across the world. That's what the U.S., Britain, and a few other countries are doing right now. Uh, they cannot have an independent religion with its own culture and morality and laws, uh, including their, their financial laws, uh, operating side by side with a totalitarian global system. So they must be stamped out. And they must be degraded as, as, as we are degraded already, whether we know it or not, we are degraded. We're, we're, we've had it as a culture now, personally, that's what I think. And, um, I mean, we, we lap up stuff from Hollywood, uh, uh, and it's pure poison, but we lap this stuff up thinking, oh wow, that's great, you know, and then your head's full of more either pornography or degradation, uh, uh and blood and guts and all the rest of it. So, um, they're demolishing the last few countries that still have a workable culture. Right. Yeah. But thanks Thank for thanks for calling. Yeah. And we'll go on to Mike from Chicago. Are you there, Mike? Uh, hello. Hello. Yes. Uh, Alan, well, I have a few questions for you. Um, yep. I remember on one of your shows that you were talking about uh, like a few, like the very few, the two percent that make it through each generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, what makes that those people? Um, who get the same indoctrination from the general public, like just how the general public gets it, what makes them so uh, special? What makes them uh, able to see through all the deception? I think part of it, it could be, part of it could be that you're born that way. Literally, it could be. Um, Hold on, and we'll go into that when we come back from this break. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix talking to Mike from Chicago who's asking why some people have an ability, a small percentage of an ability to see things as they are even from an early age and so on. And I think you're either born that way but I also think uh, that perhaps some of your early shots simply didn't work the way they were supposed to work on you because the United Nations has admitted in the last few years that that the same tests for IQ have dropped quite a few percentage and children. Well, that doesn't happen by itself if it's the same test going on. And um, it means something's happened, I think, to the brains of the, of the children. And I do think, personally, it might sound paranoid to people, but I do think, personally, after reading the books of the big boys, reading the, the, the letters and, and published papers to the Eugenic Society by Dr. Salk and others, that they, were, they wanted to use the, these particular programs to, to literally lower the IQ of, of the general public. It's much easier to control people who are dumbed down and stupid, but it doesn't get everyone the same way, you know? Just, uh, just how in 1984 uh, it said that uh, um, ignorant, no, ignorance is power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ignorance is strength, yeah. yeah. Ignorance is strength, that's what I meant. Mm-hmm. And, um, okay. and I also have one more question. Uh, do you think uh, 9-11... Um, uh, where the two towers fell um, on 111, we had the Haitian earthquake, and 
3-11 today, you have the tsunami. Do you think uh, the so-called new order and some, uh, are involved in these three incidents? There's no doubt. Even Kissinger, Brzezinski, I should say, in his book, Between Two Ages, talks about the new weaponry and weather warfare that was the, the ideal weapon because no one could prove it had been used. And uh, it was very effective. And, and, of course, if you go into the United Nations treaties, they've been signing on it. Every country has signed on it since the 70s, early 70s. Uh, they said that at the time they can create tsunamis, earthquakes, tidal waves, uh, tornadoes, hurricanes with uh, weather warfare, uh, floods, droughts, whatever they wanted to. It's a perfect weapon. And um, who knows? I know when they, when they hit uh, Iraq and the lower, one of the lower areas, it was called Bam, the city of Bam, and remember that had an earthquake there. And I mean, how did someone simply pick that little place because it was called Bam, and, and here they are going to hit it with an earthquake in the middle of a war? I, I wonder, you know. And, and let's be honest, every weapon that's ever been made has been eventually used. They don't make them just to keep them shiny and to admire them. Man, people are blind. Um, I also have one more question. Um, like uh, in, in the Brave New World, uh, Aldous Huxley, uh, I read, when I read that book, it kind of seemed um, almost ironic that we have a culture of rap, and, and um, in the book, everything rhymed, like uh, pr- uh, promiscuity is the, yeah. duty, is the citizen's duty, and so on. You have constant um, phrases in that book that mm-hmm. are similar to, uh, to rap. Do you think that they are using rap to bring in uh, a similar world like Babe New World? Oh, no doubt. Absolutely. Could, could certainly do it. Um, Brave New World didn't just come out of a man's head out of nowhere. It came out of a, a man who belonged to a very old family who were related to the Darwins through marriage and so on. Uh, again, through special selection, uh, very special selection of their mates. Yet he went to his father, too, and, and uh, his brother as well, who at UNESCO, the first CEO of UNESCO, Huxley's... Um, brother talked about this whole agenda including creating massive promiscuity and starting at a very early age to destroy the family unit as long as it didn't have any offspring uh, this would be advocated and it's here we've lived through it we've been living through it our whole lives now but thanks for calling from hamish myself from ontario canada it's good night to me your god or your gods go with you